to the Exploring Washington State podcast. Here's your host, Scott Cowan. Welcome to episode 17 of the Exploring Washington State podcast. Today I have a conversation with Bertie and Emily Mandigy, collectively known as the Mandigies. Amazing, huh? Bertie and Emily are content creators, influencers, adventure hikers, photographers, writers. They do it all. And they've been making a full-time living since 2018 doing this. We're going to hear their origin, how they met, how they moved to Spokane, who they're working with, all sorts of things about the ins and outs, if you will, of content creation. We're going to find out places that they love to visit in Washington, in Spokane. We're going to break my own rule and we're going to talk about New York City and a little bit about Idaho. But honestly, I think the questions about those two places are worthy of inclusion into this episode of Exploring Washington State. So sit back, maybe go for a hike, do your exercise, listen to the podcast, enjoy it. And I'd love to hear your feedback. So do us a favor, hit the subscribe button if you haven't already. Leave us a review, please. We love reviews. And we'll see you later. Hey, everybody. I'm going to welcome Emily and Bertie Mandigy to the show. Guys, hello. Welcome. Hello. hello thanks Scott. for having us on. Yeah, thanks for being here. This is, this is going to be kind of fun. You guys run this little travel blog, little being the funny word. You run this really <laughs> large travel blog. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's pretty amazing. For our, for our listeners who don't know who you are, which I doubt is going to be very many people, but um, why don't you give us a little bit of the backstory, how you guys got started doing this, and what's your journey? Sure. So uh, my name's Emily. This is my husband, Bertie. We are, uh, yeah, husband and wife duo. We run a Pacific Northwest travel blog, and we focus a lot on outdoor adventures, road trips, camping, hiking, anything that gets you outside. We like to cover it and we like to share it. So do a lot of Washington, Oregon, Idaho, British Columbia, Montana, but Today we're talking about Washington. <laughs> Today we're talking Washington. Although I have to admit on your website, I did see this photograph of the doors off helicopter, New York. Yeah. Um, no. <laughs> oh, you're we're not gonna, a doors off. We're going to stop talking about Washington to go to that. Cause I actually want to ask you about that. Oh, how yeah. on earth, how on earth did you guys get roped into doing a doors off helicopter anywhere, much less New York city? Actually, it didn't take much convincing. It was so it exciting. Was so fun. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. And I, I think at the time we were working with uh, this camera company called B&H uh, based in New York. And we were there uh, for like a week. And then they're like, hey, we're going to do this sunrise uh, doors off helicopter. Do you want to do it? And I'm like, heck yeah, sign us up. So it was so fun. Everything was really secure, though. Like you didn't feel like you just had like a car seat buckle on. It was like this whole X strap yeah. situation. And then like a emergency cord attached to that and everything was serious so you, you'll, never, you'll never go back you'll never want a doors on helicopter after that so you weren't <laughs> leaning out hanging on with one hand while you got your camera out there you were really secured in the whole thing no yeah, yeah. we were totally okay. secure and i actually preferred doors off because you don't have the glare of that window screen in front of you mm -hmm. so it was perfect for photo like photographers so had you had you guys been in a a helicopter before, or was this your first? Okay, so, so for me, I've never been in. Actually. Yeah. Okay, so this for me that the idea of that would be my first helicopter right now. Oh, that. yeah, for your <laughs> okay. first one, that'd be kind of a big, a big All right. dive. Yeah. All right, so so enough about New York. Let's go back to Washington State. <laughs> oh, sure. 
what gave you guys the idea of becoming travel bloggers? What was the the impetus to to start this career? Yeah. Um, so I guess let's start with um, how we started. Yeah, yeah, maybe your photography. Yeah. Um, so I started getting into photography when I was a senior at the University of Washington. Um, and I lived with someone who was a journalist and I was so interested in how like a story is being told through photographs. Um, so I kind of pivoted my interest a little bit. Um, not, you know, like not following more of like my major, but just like focusing a lot more on photography. And it kind of started from there. And I started shooting my friend's weddings and and end up getting recommendations, uh, start shooting strangers' weddings, end up doing like 35 to 40 weddings a year for like, you know, two years. And, um, but like, I, I love taking photos of people and like telling their stories. And um, so I started taking photos of like friends that I had gone hikes with. Um, and at the time, like backtrack a little bit before the wedding photography stuff, like I didn't have any camera. So I started just using my iPhone um, so I started like taking portraits of my friends that would go on hikes with me, sunrise, sunset, whatever. And I would take their portrait, tell their story on Instagram. And then it started to pick up traffic, um, through Instagram. And I started getting inquiries on like doing a photo shoot for like a watch company and like a bunch of these commercial little projects. And, uh, and I told them like, I didn't, I don't have a camera and they're like, we don't care. We like what you photograph and what you share. So like my first commercial photography gig was for this watch company and with my iPhone. And, and then I was able to like make money from it. And then I was like, Whoa, you can make money. You're doing photography By taking and like pictures on Instagram. Doing Instagram stuff. <laughs> so, you know, I started taking it more seriously, start more like curating my Instagram, taking more, you know, like a more of an, like an artistic approach rather than like sharing what food I'm eating, which I used to share. All the time. <laughs> uh, and then long story short, Emily got jealous of my work schedule. The fact that I could get up for sunrise and come back at like 2 PM and then take naps and wake up and she'd be doing like a nine to five and she would come home. Like, you know, I'm just editing photos, just like having fun. And Emily's like, dang, you get to do all of this. And then you want to tell the uh, part on that? Yeah. Yeah. I guess after that, I, backtracking a little bit Bertie would post like a beautiful photo from a hike he did with his friends and he'd have like a hundred beautiful photos but only one would make it on Instagram and then he'd move on to the next thing and so we'd have all these pretty photos just like sitting on a hard drive somewhere and I'm like Bertie you have to elaborate you have to share more because people would comment on his posts like what hike is this how far is it like how hard is this how hard is it what did you pack um what kind of camera lens was that? How can I shoot sunrise too like that? So that's where I got the idea of making the travel blog. So it was like, Oh, you like this photo. Here is the journey behind it on the blog. So here, here's more photos here. How is how long the hike is? Here's some tips on, you know, how to have a good day there. And so that's kind of where that began. And then we have years of, content and hikes and adventures it's become our full-time job now so that's kind of like the birth of it yeah so two questions out of that you're not still shooting with your iphone <laughs> no sometimes i mean here instagram there, like, stories yeah like all of what? my reels now i shoot it with my iphone because it's just so <laughs> simple and it's a beautiful camera that you could use 
what gear are you shooting with today nowadays? What what have you evolved to? So we have a we're splitting half and half. We have Canon and we are um we're shooting we're we're sorry, we're moving to Leica. Oh, okay. Which is an expensive feat, but I was gonna say that's that's not um you know that's that's a that's an impressive name. What (laughs) (laughs) what made you decide to go with Leica? Because most everybody says, most everybody right now, Canon or Nikon, maybe some Sony. But Leica is kind of like the Rolls Royce of gear. I think what we pride ourselves in in the blog is photography. That's the number one thing that we have people come to our site for. The information is there. And I think unlike like unlike a lot of other travel blogs, we have a really unique ability to write full time and also shoot and edit full time because a lot of people are doing just one like they're just one person that does all the jobs. But thankfully, we can split that skill. And so we can uniquely bring like double impact to our travel blog. And photography is one thing that we People, clients come to us for all the time. And so we want to elevate that experience to a higher level. Yeah. And Leica has more megapixels with their files. It's just, it's, to me, it's like the glass of Leica yeah. glass is just like unreal. And that's why they're like the best in the business. Um, but also the use, like if you're, I don't know how to explain it, but like the experience with like shooting a Leica camera is like mm. so different than just shooting a Canon. And um, a lot of it is like more manual and, and to me, I take a photography more of like a like an artistic approach rather than like, you know, you're just shooting content for your blog and stuff. So I see it more of like I'm creating an art and um, and I'm currently shooting on my like I shoot a lot of film photography and I use my Leica M6 for that. And I love it because it's so small. It's mechanical. So like I don't need like I don't need batteries so we could go on like this long backpacking trips and I just have to carry like loads of film and um I don't have to worry about whether the camera's gonna die and it's super small and compact but it achieves like I don't know like for me the storytelling aspect of it is much greater like I can achieve more of the storytelling rather than like focusing a lot on my like what to bring what kind of lens you know like all all this yeah so when when we go backpacking or like road trips it's just like so much less equipment to carry um obviously we don't have a lot of like like gears right now because like it's so (laughs) they're so expensive and it takes a while to like accumulate that but like for the stuff that we have currently it's been just like really functional and really fun to just like use so you're shooting a lot of film are you you must be developing your own film then as well i'm not i'm I'm sending it to a lab and okay Louisville, Kentucky. They're super awesome. They always get all the colors correct. So, oh, cool, <laughs> yeah. very cool. Yeah, because that—that's I—I love it when I hear people are still using film. I think that's mm-hmm. kind of cool. It's, you know, don't get me wrong, digital's great, but when you're shooting with film, that's kind of cool. And you're carrying around Leica. I just can't imagine going outdoors with a Leica camera. That's the whole part about it that I'm like, oh, <laughs> I don't. You can't really see my hands. I'm like, oh. yeah, and, totally. and, uh, so. So the other question I had, though, was you were both at the UW. What mm-hmm. were you guys studying before this career pivot? It's totally not what we're doing right now. <laughs> but 
so I graduated, what did I graduate with? A degree in South Asian studies and a minor in South Asian languages. So she's very good at languages, Emily. So thankfully they had Hindi, not Hindi, um, Indonesian at UW. So when we were serious about our relationship, I took Indonesian so that I can talk with his parents when we went to go meet them. So I at least I got that out of school. I mean, I love school and I learned a ton and I'm very thankful I got that degree. But you wanted to be a translator for like the the CIA or the UN or something. Oh, I I realized you have to learn at least like six languages. And I'm like, I don't have time for that. And, and Bertie, how about you? What were you What were you going to school for? Uh, I did education and history. So I wanted to be. My goal was to be a principal, and um, I wanted to be a principal of a high school and yeah, stuff like that. But <laughs> I did teaching. I did. I taught for one year after I graduated from UW in Bellevue in the Bellevue School District, um, teaching third graders. Um, but at the time, I was doing photography on the side as well. So. So just out of curiosity, because I have some friends that are teachers as well, but yeah, what they prepared you for in school, was it what you got on the day to day? No. Well, I, I interviewed for this, like, like student, like teaching, like assistant, you know, to the teachers. And then when I showed up first day, uh, I have like a whole classroom of 30 kids to myself, which is, I was like, what? Like, I'm like the lead teachers. Like, yeah, well, we have like an overflow of kids and you have to teach, but it turned out to be a really great year. Um, yeah, it was it was amazing. But I just I just fell in love way harder with photography that time. So, and are you completely self taught, or have have what have you done to advance your craft? Yeah, self taught, and um, I watch a ton of YouTube videos. <laughs> and and at the time, this is kind of like on the come up of like instagram a little bit so no one really used instagram as like photography and we just like i had like a a community in seattle that we all kind of like rose up together and kind of became photographers together so we bounce ideas back and forth a ton we go on hikes a ton we host we used to host like insta meets a lot so we would have like 150 people on this event and we would like walk around you know golden gardens and um just like discovery park and stuff like that um just having insta meets this is like back in 2014 2013 so long long ago i make fun of it but really if you think about where instagram was six years ago versus where it is today it's radically different technology's changed the whole thing has changed Mm -hmm. so you went to the uw birdie you taught for a year in bellevue and you're living in spokane now so something what was the story you moved to, to spokane what took you from the place that a lot of us think is cool and want to be to Spokane, which is in the Inland Empire. Yeah. So I think it all ended up being a lot of practical decisions. Um, we picked up our travel blog and both of us started working full-time on it in 2018. So it wasn't like a, we dove off the deep end and see what happens. It was very calculated, like financial decisions to slowly wean us off each of our jobs to then become full-time. But after we both became full-time, we were traveling all the time. And we had this little apartment that we had in the U District of Seattle. And it was pretty expensive. And I remember one summer, we were gone like all of the month of July. And we came back for two days. Mm -hmm. And then we had to pay our rent for July. 
And we're like, we literally didn't use Due this July, apartment August, yeah. <laughs> all summer. Yeah. We still have to pay a ton of money. And so we called it our glorified storage unit because that's where we kept all our stuff, but we mm. never used anything. So then we started talking and we're like, okay, we need to purchase something to make it worth our money because we're just wasting money on having this apartment that we never use. So we started looking at houses in Seattle and quickly realized that <laughs> that, that is not the place with the us. money we were pulling in, which was very little, we could not afford anything in Seattle. And thankfully, my parents live in Spokane. And as we were looking kind of at the house prices there, they were like a quarter of the price of Seattle. And we were like, oh, we could buy something in Spokane. And yeah. it's not that far away. And we have our friends only a few hour drive and yeah. we're close to my family when we start our own family. And like our job is so remote that we yeah. don't need to be in like a city. Um, mm -hmm. You know, like we can still get this, the amount of clients that we do get in Seattle. So um, that is not like, Oh, we need to be in Seattle. Yeah. You know? um, and Spokane has an airport and it's a pretty good one too. So it's all, always getting better. Like the first time we moved here, they, their TSA pre-check was kind of like, Nothing. really slow and it was like the same thing but three months after that it was like super efficient it's like wow it's like getting better like you can see the progress mm -hmm. um stuff like that I'll, I'll share my story about the spokane airport so <laughs> this is maybe six years ago i was uh well my, my day gig is i sell real estate i i mm -hmm. but i specialize in foreclosed properties so uh, one of my clients had a regional meeting in lake quarter lane okay so I was living in the Olympia area at that time. So we flew over from, from Olympia uh, to Spokane, okay. went to the meeting, came back to the airport and I'm sitting and talking to this guy who I've been trying to get to know for a while. Right. And we're having this great conversation and I'm flying Alaska home to, to Seattle. Mm -hmm. And they go, Oh, uh, flight 104 to Seattle is now boarding. I'm pleased, you know, da, da, da. so I go up to the, you know, how you got to hand the ticket to him and, and it goes. Eh. Yeah. And I'm like, what? me i'll just say oh sir you're not on this flight you're on the flight that left five minutes ago oh no I'm like, wait a second there's more than one flight from spokane to seattle <laughs> <laughs> and luckily they got me on the plane but i was i was just thinking you know little airport one flight yeah. you know yeah. i don't pay attention to anything but my well kenzie who runs our instagram and all that um we try to get her to fly in and out of spokane now too because it's so because living in wenatchee it's a mm -hmm. pretty much an equal drive Oh, okay. the Spokane airport so much easier. Yeah. And that's, yeah. Yeah. People. yeah. So yeah. good, good on you. And like for you guys, like mentioned, we'll go back to the New York thing. You can get from Spokane to connect a connecting flight to hit New York. Yeah. Easy. It's oh, not yeah. like you're. Yeah. Um, and even if it's an international thing, you just, it's like a hour, actually it's like 40 minute flight to Seattle and then you're connected to whatever international. And you've already flight. gone through TSA. So you don't have to sit through exactly. the Seattle nightmare. Yeah. Cause that one Seattle's anyway. Yeah, I okay. know, right. <laughs> so you guys bought a place in Spokane. Is that, yes, is that kind of what we asked? Yeah. Okay. So we got it in 2018. So almost two years we've been in this house and we love it. We got it for way cheaper than yeah. what we were expecting. It's, so it's pretty much, we save money by buying a house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, your mortgage is probably less than your rent was in Seattle. Yeah. Oh, yeah. way less. Yeah. yeah. So, it's awesome. Right. So let's talk about Spokane for a little bit. Yeah. 
share some of your places in Spokane. Like when you guys aren't out doing adventures and travel blogging and all that, when you're just Mm -hmm. hanging out in Spokane, what give us a couple of places that you think people should check out in Spokane that they might not have heard of. So one place, I mean, you've probably heard the name Mount Spokane and you've probably heard it because everybody goes there to go skiing and snowboarding in the summer in the winter time. But in the summertime, there's so much to do and it's so beautiful. One of our favorite places that we've gone a few times is Quartz Mountain Lookout. Okay. We really love that place. Um, you can actually rent it to stay overnight. Oh. So in the summer, that's what we did. We booked a weekend to stay there and we like set up our hammock and we read books so all fun. weekend. And, and you could see like 360 degree view of everywhere. Okay. You could even see like Coeur d'Alene from there. And, oh, uh, and um, you could go huckleberry picking yeah. on the way up to the lookout. There's just like tons of huckleberries. Um, very cool. Yeah. It's a very like n- nostalgic summer place so we really like that spot and yeah the huckleberry is on Mount Spokane like next level so good (laughs) hey all right what about in town like if you guys are gonna go out for dinner where's a where's a place in Spokane for dinner oh I like I like Umi Umi? uh yeah yeah, there's like a sushi place in Kendall Yards which is like a newer neighborhood would you say yeah it's newer Mm -hmm. yeah and it's like really hip sushi place and it's really good uh and it's right along the river so you can go to their basement like bar level and i don't know if they have outdoor seating in the summertime we've only been there in the colder months yeah but um you can just go right outside the back doors and then there's not or there's the Spokane River and a view of downtown. downtown. It's, and it was like super like close, like walking distance to downtown. So you could even like walk around the riverfront yeah. park. And um, I like to think of it as kind of like a mini uh, central park that New York has. <laughs> but this is like Spokane. You know? like, <laughs> I feel like Seattle doesn't really have like that kind of park where you could like, you know, kind of like walk around downtown and through the river. And Seattle has very like individual parks, you know, like here's this park, here's this park, here's yeah, this park. Green Lake, Volunteer Park, yeah, they're more. Yeah, but this, you know, this one kind of like, you know, you can experience downtown, but at the same time, you know, sitting around, you know, this park. And I don't know, it's really cool. And in the winter too, we have, there's like the ribbon, you could go ice skating. And oh, I don't know, cool. it, just, it feels really fun, very, yeah. I don't it's know. a really like, date night friendly yeah okay very festive in a way have you guys tried the igloos at the davenport the igloos no No. we've seen the the, christmas trees in the holiday time so the the davenport um i think it's the autograph the 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 new one that that down by the first interstate center right the grand yeah 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 and they have igloos outside oh my gosh i didn't know that yeah they're heated so during during winter you can go oh, out and out. yeah, they they were pretty cool. Um, when we when we go to Spokane, we stay. We that's where we stay because we'll typically go to Spokane for concerts. Oh, uh, gotcha. Long time ago, we used to go oh. to concerts um, <laughs> at the uh, at the at the uh, first Interstate Center there. Yeah. And so, which is just amazing because you park your car, you go to your room, you go to the concert, you go back, and it's like you know you just cross the street, across enjoy the street. your show, and then go back to your hotel. Right. Right. It was, it was, 
Yeah, it's an awesome place. So you have, yeah, you should check out the igloos there. They're they're kind of cool. I think you have to. Uh, I think they were reservations were re- were required. I think they've oh. taken them down for spring. It'll be just a winter type thing, but um, yeah, they looked pretty cool. Like, and they didn't look like they were cheesy greenhouse, you know, with plastic. I mean, they actually looked really like very well done and kind of you know. That's sweet. I'm definitely yeah. going to check that out. I bet that those have some pretty good views of downtown Spokane. Probably, yeah. So are either of you into coffee at all? Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, so coffee in Spokane, where do you guys recommend? In Daba Riverside. Uh, <laughs> in Daba okay. Coffee yeah. is really good. Um, Riverside okay. is like one of their newest locations and a very like really tall ceilings and um, very friendly place to work at. Mm. I, this is like pre-COVID too. Yeah, um, right, We haven't really right. worked at co- coffee shops <laughs> because yeah, of COVID. But, but just like pre-COVID, like we've worked there pretty much okay. every, like every at day. least once a week, yeah. we would go there just to get some new scenery. There's a lot of outlets. Yeah. <laughs> you can work there so all day. That's actually kind of an interesting take, you know, that your point is like, do you guys work from home all the time? Well, no, you're going out to places. So when you yeah. go to a place where, what do you need? You need power. Like our laptops mm-hmm. are great, but nobody wants to be like digging around for a, and a, a an outlet in a crowded coffee yeah. shop when your battery's blinking because you weren't prepared. And they serve really good like lunch food as well. So you yeah. can pretty much stay there all day. Cause sometimes if you're, okay. a, if you're at a coffee shop, you're like, Oh, I want to eat lunch, but they only have like pastries. Mm. I've been uh, there for a while. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, they do have really good food and they, they nurture like people that want to stay there and work. That's mm-hmm. like, I, I don't know if that's encouraged or not, but they definitely make it like, a really great place for people to come. Like you'd see a lot, of, you'd see a lot of like creatives there, like photographers, Tons graphic designers, like musicians, like yeah. just a bunch of like people that work for themselves are there a lot. So, how many locations do they have in Spokane now? I think there's. I can think of three, but I know they're. Five, I know four, they are nine. opening one on the north side of Spokane. Maybe four or five. I'm not okay. sure. Yeah. My go-to when I go to Spokane, I, I'm a big fan of First Avenue Coffee. Mm. Oh, the, yes. The folks, the folks there are super cool. Yeah. Um, and then, then Roast House is their roasting company that does the, their coffee. And that's who we partnered with for our coffee with them. They're, they're kind of our gotcha. thing. But for me, when I went there for the first time, um, I was blown away by their coffee making equipment. For, have, no. you, have you been in First Avenue Coffee? We have. It's we have. very yeah. They're, yeah. they're yeah, their coffee bar. I started calculating like oh, that's ten grand, and <laughs> I mean, it was kind of like oh, there's a. It, it was just, and they're just all really nice, and so yeah, totally. Um, that's kind of where I go. Um, mm-hmm. That's a fun part not, of town too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, there's like a lot of cool, unique, like artisan shops around there, and you can go to like. What's the Fox Theater pretty close to? Yeah, Fox right. Theater and the the um, the Knitting Factory. Yes, mm-hmm. yeah. All these things that I can't go to right now. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I miss that, but that's the thing. Seattle's or it's not Seattle, but Spokane's got this pretty cool art scene. I mean, there's a lot of. Mm-hmm. My wife and I like to go to live music. That's kind of our oh, cool. our thing that we do, and sure, Seattle's got a ton of stuff. There's always things to do in Seattle, but I'm finding Spokane has a, a really nice. A selection of choices for us to do too. Mm-hmm. And uh, if we can see somebody in Spokane or in Seattle, we, we now choose Spokane. 
Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, it's just because it's, you know, it's an easy drive. It's not as crowded. And yeah. uh, make a weekend of it. And we typically do. Yeah. We yeah. Do. So that's awesome. So, Let's, so let's, let's talk about your kind of your blogging and that. So you're working independently. Now you've been doing this for over two years now. Congratulations. That's, that's mm-hmm. awesome. I think, you know, I just love the entrepreneurial spirit and I think it's cool when people are able to be creative and be independent and it's not for everybody. Not everybody is disciplined enough to work for themselves. Like if I go to a coffee shop, I'm like looking around and I'm not trying to listen to conversations, but I can't tune them out. You know, yeah. what did they order? Oh, that looked good. You know, I, so I have to kind of like isolate and like work yeah. in a cave, <laughs> but you guys do most of your stuff at home. Are you working remotely? I mean, you mentioned remotely, but are you working mostly from home? Oh yeah, for yeah. sure. I would say it's kind of like one of two options. We are, either out like in the field for a client shooting whatever content that looks like for that scope of work. So we're traveling, we're in hotel rooms, we're hiking, we're backpacking, whatever that looks like, or we're at home basically processing all of that information, curating it and delivering it. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of the way we work. We're either outside doing all the busyness or we're inside doing all the busy work. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So Bertie with uh, help me out here. So you're with your film work when you're, when you're having your film processed and it's coming from Louisville, are they sending yeah. you digital files back? Yes. They are I'm like going, I, I'm old. You don't remember photo map, but I'm thinking like you <laughs> drop your reels off at the drive by thing and they gave you, you know, they gave you the really bad you know, four by six, you know, the color was horrible and all that. Are they turning around digital files for you? Is that what they do? Or yes, do you get prints? Uh, and you can get you can get all of them if you want. Um, but I only get um, the digital files and then my original film uh, film rolls back, and they send them, and I just organize them um, okay. in this like folder that I have. So okay, and then you spend your time. After that, then you're doing the final editing, creative work if, to an image. Do you spend much time? Do you do a lot of photo editing or does your stuff, are you kind of coming straight out of camera and, you know, what, what's your process? Yeah, well, uh, we tr- I try to get it as close as I can to um, what I want to edit. That, that, that way I don't have to work a lot when I edit. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I edit all of the photos. Um um i did emily's photos too so yeah we both um, shoot but i take all the files and mm-hmm. give it to him okay yeah so you're the editor then i am yes everything the, like everything images is me oh i'm and, the copy editor yeah and you're, and you're the writer yeah the writer yeah okay but yeah so that's that's how it works with like photo editing and we have a system at our house where we have a hard drive but it's like in the cloud but it's only on our wi-fi system so Bertie will edit photos and then he'll say like, all right, Emily, they're ready. And then all I have to do is get on my own laptop, and open our them. own cloud system. And then I have all the files. So we don't have to do like a hard drive transfer or anything like that. It's, it's like just available. Yeah. So Technology is amazing these days. Yeah. The fact that you can <laughs> yeah. have, you know, your own private cloud and access to your, your data pretty much anywhere you wanted to have it. Yeah. It's, it's pretty amazing. And then if you ever, lose a file you don't really lose them you just misplace them you might yeah. sweat it while you try to find it but you know 
I just did that the other day with a spreadsheet that wasn't really important. Um, anyway. Oh yeah. So has this turned into a job for you? Like you guys like to go hiking, you guys met and you started hiking and on your blog, you mentioned, you know, your friends were sleeping in on Saturday and you guys were out going for a hike. So have, you know, a lot of us are afraid that our passions that we're like, we're creatives and we turn them into jobs. Mm -hmm. How have you managed that? Because there's the, there's the business element of it. You got to price your work and you got to have those negotiations with the client and set expectations and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess, you, oh, go ahead. Well, I was just gonna say, how do you still keep it, your enthusiasm for this, this up so that it's not a grind, like, oh, we got to go on a hike today. Yeah. Totally. I've talked with some people about this who also want to become travel bloggers. They're like, how can I do what you guys do? This looks so fun. And a piece of advice that I tell someone is it's, you've got to be stoked about what you're doing. It doesn't matter. Like, if you're an artist or a musician, like you have to love it so much that you, you would do it for free if you had to. So I think that's something that we have found with ourselves. Like we love hiking, we love shooting pictures and like exploring the Pacific Northwest. Mm -hmm. And we would do that all day if we wanted to, it's not a vessel for us to make money. It's not, we didn't enter this field because it was like a lucrative field we did it because it was fun and we wanted to figure out how to make our passion, make money for us. So, yeah, that's awesome. And, and to, to piggyback on that, like we're to a point now where we can um, have the luxury to say no to clients that we're not stoked about. So like if there, there are clients that like, you know, um, that are kind of like, not a good fit, not, not a good fit. Yeah. And you're like not too stoked about it. Then we know it's like, yeah, we shouldn't take this job because it, you know, it offers money. Like we should be stoked about the project from the clients. And, and that makes it so much easier to shoot. Cause we've definitely done um, a lot of like projects that we were not as stoked. Uh, and that was like really hard to like huh? self-motivate yourself. So we kind of learned throughout the years to be like, okay, we only take um, projects that we are like really, really stoked about. And then we, that's when we produce our like best quality work. So mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So your clients, if you, who's, who are your, who is your client? Who's your avatar? What, what, what is that client that you're like, when, when the phone rings and it's brand X, you're like, yes, this is awesome. Um, Our clients that we enjoy working with are destinations. So travel Oregon, visit Idaho, like Suncadia, stuff like that. Um, I think we really thrive with those partnerships because we can create a story. We can shoot like a, a whole concept around yeah. like a, lot a, of it. a season, an activity. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of different ways to work with those types of clients because you can really focus on their goals and what they want to achieve and you can return and have a completely different experience. Mm-hmm. So we like those because they're consistent partners and you can keep providing them with value every time you return. Yeah. Okay. And another client that we love is also like working with companies, outdoor companies yeah. that support what we do, like Tevas, BNH. Um, you know, like we shoot for them and like seasonally, you know what I mean? Like every season they come back to us for more work. So like we're 
starting to create like more consistent client that come back to us for specific work and specific seasons Mm -hmm. and just support us in like that we're free to create whatever concept we want and they trust us. And that's like the best thing when there's like, okay, you have the creative freedom to um, create this concept and type of like shoot and stuff like that. So that's when we like do our best work and we get all of those and that's just, it's the most fun. That's awesome. That's, that's just, I love your guys' story and what you're telling us. I just think it's great. (laughs) I really do. Cause it's, it's so refreshing to hear people that are, we all have those people in our lives, you know, they work nine to five and they're like, I gotta go to work. I gotta make my car payment. I'm going out to dinner tonight. We're going to go to Applebee's again. And they're just, (laughs) nothing nothing wrong with Applebee's. (laughs) I said again, I said again. Again, yes. <laughs> Again, you know, every Friday it's Applebee's and I have the same thing. Yeah. And yeah. they're just kind of going through life on autopilot. And, yeah. and, you know, there's so much more out there to see and do. And yeah. I just think it's, you guys are, I, I applaud you for that. Thank you. So without, okay, let's, let's ask you this question. No, you're not working. This is not a, a work related question. Okay. You already talked about going up in Huckleberry picking and doing that, but what other places in Washington state? do you guys escape to like when you're just wanting to go for a great hike or just to get out and away from town, what are some other places in Washington that you like to go? I would say, I mean, more recently, I think a really cool escape for us has been um, backcountry camping. And that can look either like backpacking or car camping, but like, you know, find our own free spot in the forest. Those are the times where I find I can like disconnect the most. And that's been really fun for us. We recently went on a trip to the North Cascades and we were hiking. Um, it's a place called Sahale Glacier. And so we went and we stayed up there for a couple nights in the early season of the summer. It was so fun. And mm-hmm. That was like one of the times where you truly felt like you could disconnect from anything and really enjoy nature. So that's probably how we wind yeah. down. And we often find ourselves on the Washington coast, like yes. Olympic National Park. And just because there's so many diverse landscapes, yeah. you could be in the mountains, you know, Hurricane Ridge, and then you can go all the way down mm-hmm. to, right. you know, La Push or Rialto Beach or, you know, Ruby Beach. All those things. I, I think I think we're spoiled. I think a lot of us just take it for granted yeah. that you know we, we you, you know in one day you can go from the Pacific Ocean to um, the the tallest point in the you know contiguous yeah. forty eight states. You know it's yeah. it's pretty amazing what the the state offers us and all around. Totally, yeah. and same with Eastern Washington too. People just usually most of the people will drive through I ninety and all they see is like that flat farmland. But mm-hmm. if you just go off a little bit, there's like the like, Frenchman Cooley like cove, area and Vantage cove, yeah. and there's like hidden lakes and Palouse Falls, which is like the biggest, most magical waterfall in Washington. I don't know if it's the biggest actually, but it's awesome. And there's so much, like you said, diversity, like rainforest, desert, mm-hmm. mountains, farmland. I, I used to think the drive from, I went to college in Ellensburg. And okay. I had friends. I had friends that went to Pullman in WCO, and mm-hmm. that that drive I thought was the worst drive ever. <laughs> I, I just like couldn't. I just couldn't do it. And then so I never went back. I mean, after my friends went to college, stopped going to college. I had no reason to go to Pullman. 
Yeah. And so I lived on the West side and I was thinking, uh, and now for business, I end up in Walla Walla and Clarkston mm-hmm. and Tri-Cities and Yakima and all that. And oh, yeah. so when I come home, I, you know, come up through a uh, Washtuckna or, or whatever. And, mm-hmm. you know, is that, that, that bus that's there in Washtuckna, the one that yep. everyone graffiti. Yeah. 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 And, and I went to Palouse Falls for the first time, maybe three months ago. Oh, it's beautiful. And all I could think about on the whole drive in was they need to really fix this road because it was so yeah. like a washboard. And I felt like my fillings were falling out of my teeth. I'm like, okay, this better be worth it. You know, I'm like, eh. and I yeah. got there and I was like, wow, this is remarkably cool. Like yeah. remarkably. And I feel silly saying I didn't know about it because mm. it's, it, it's like right there with Rainier and the space needle that everyone talks about Palouse Falls. And it is, it's, it's, it's worthy of being included in those, in that category. It's an awesome place. And yeah, there's a lot more diversity here in Eastern Washington than I ever, you know, I just think of Ellensburg and wind. And I think of the drive from Ellensburg to Spokane is, you know, two hours of trying to stay awake. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's not not fair. Yeah. Yeah, And it's not fair. Um, So where else do you guys like to go? So what's, uh, let me see. How do I want to say this? Well, when you're hiking around here, like outdoors, what's the most extreme thing you guys have done in Washington? Like we talked about the helicopter in New York. To me, that's extreme. Okay. You were buckled in and maybe you weren't going to fall out or anything, but mm-hmm. how about like extreme, do you guys go for that extreme stuff at all? I want to say you, a recent backpacking trip, Yeah, right? probably. I mean, the most extreme, yeah, it was more like technical uh, scramble up this mountain yeah. with like a 50 pound backpack. Okay. I, I wouldn't call it extreme, but we tried mountaineering for the first time. And when okay. I say mountaineering, it's like baby beginner mountaineering. Yeah. Okay. Where like we had the gear for safety more than we did for like actual usage. But okay. for our recent backpacking trip, um, we went to a place called Sahali Glacier Camp, which you go into the North Cascades and then you camp and the views are spectacular. But Usually people camp at those sites and then the next day they summit Sahali mountain. Okay. And so we had all the gear to get close, but we didn't have all the technical like ropes and things to actually summit. And it was very snowy. Yeah. We were so, there super early in the season. So mm-hmm. you need like ice axes and stuff, which we okay. use. Um, and Emily's younger brother is like a mountaineering, a mountaineering guide. guide. So he was able to like teach us those things and we had the privilege to like learn from him and like, wow, that's cool. Like you could do this, this, this. So yeah, he, he was kind of like our little guy. He taught us how to use an ice axe and how, how to like self-arrest when you like slip down the glacier and stuff like that. So we did all those like practice. Yeah. So you, you take this yeah. axe and if you start sliding in the snow, you like pound it in the snow and it'll stop you. And, like put your weight to it and stuff like that. But okay. we ended up, <laughs> it was very fun. But the best part of that trip was we like took a long time to hike all the way to the top as far as we could go. And then we spent the rest of the afternoon like sliding, sliding down from the, the top to our camp pretty much. And we just kept doing that over It and was over. really fun. <laughs> yeah. So it's like a giant slide. I know that's not extreme, but like thinking about how high we were in the mountains and then sliding down, sure. it was so fun. Well, that's more extreme than I'm going to do, but you're right. <laughs> Comparatively speaking, to have you guys ever been into the enchantments? We haven't. We have no. not. We've only been to Kolchak and for a day hike. For a day hike, but never gone well, over. One of my friends, um, he was on the podcast uh, quite a few episodes ago now. Uh, 
he he was sharing his his story about his friends won the lottery and they had a seven day pass, so he went oh, along with them, right? And and one of the things he was sharing that I thought was pretty funny is that on their way out, there was these uh, kids, you know, hiking in there wearing skinny jeans and Converse. And all he could think about is, well, I only have to run faster than them if a bear shows up, you know, that was his <laughs> kind of thing. but the other thing about the, the enchantments that I never knew was, uh, have you heard of a guy out of central Washington university is professor Zentner, Nick Zentner. Uh-uh. So Nick was a guest really early on the podcast. And some of the people that help us here on explore Washington state, they said, Oh, you got to get Nick on. And this guy does this YouTube thing called Nick on the rocks. And he's oh, been on PBS. He's at a PBS show. Yeah. He's awesome. Right. And so we're, I'm talking to him and, and, and he's, and I've never met him before. Right. Never talked to him. And we just kind of did this thing live and he's talking about the enchantments and he goes, well, then there's this Baja BC and the rocks from the enchantments started down in Mexico. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what? You know, he goes, Oh, you're listening. And, and he, he's explaining the science of the, the rocks and the enchantments when they were created millions of years ago were actually formed down where Baja California is now. And through the earthquakes of 40 million years, they've been pushed up to where they are now. That's crazy. That's amazing. Yeah. I know. Just, I was like, are you kidding me? And I can't stop talking about it. And I just, because the enchantments are beautiful. You guys absolutely need to check that yeah, out. We'll have to. And, and you're, you'd be great content for your site. Cause mm-hmm. it's, it's, you should put yourselves in for a lottery to do that. That yeah, would be. Yeah. I never won one, and I did it for like three years, and I just gave up. Uh, <laughs> I can't give up. You got to keep doing it. You know? <laughs> I know. Get I a get a lottery ticket on the black market or something. I don't know. Just go. <laughs> you, you guys absolutely should go. Love it. Um. So what's next for the blog? I mean, you well, you just did a site redesign. Yeah. Yeah. We did. Congratulations. And what's next for you guys? What What's kind of how are you going to keep this going moving forward? What's, you know? um, yeah, I guess what's next for us is, um, well, actually the beauty of our audience is they are growing up with us, which is okay. great. Everybody is aging just like us. So while we have people that are interested in going on hikes. Eventually people are going to be interested in taking their families as well. So I would say in the distant future, we will probably incorporate a lot of like family elements to it, but in like a non cheesy way where it's like how to take your kid in the back country or (laughs) (laughs) I don't, I would don't expect us to be like a nothing wrong with typical family blogs. They're so helpful and so great. Um, but I feel like we can bring like a unique way of sharing that and sharing experiences with your family. So I see that as maybe a future of the blog, but the beautiful thing about it is it's called the mandies.com. So it, it's about us, which is great. Yeah. So we can evolve and change with it and, the audience will probably evolve and change with us or maybe like at one element of their life or part of their life will be a part of it and they'll move on. So I'm just happy to like share our journey, share our lives online. I really like sharing with people and connecting with others. So I see us doing that for the future. Well, one of the articles I was looking on your site, you guys redid your backyard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's not travel. 
I mean, we got that stay at home, survive COVID. We're going yeah. crazy. Yeah. And, but now at the time that we're recording this, you can't burn anything because we're covered in smoke everywhere. Yeah. How was that different to document the, the, the construction? It wasn't construction. It was, you know, a yeah, relatively small project. Yeah, totally. I mean, you know, you, you weren't pouring concrete. You were carrying bags of gravel from your car. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which I don't mean to put down, but it wasn't like oh, you were yeah. coordinating a cement thing and all that. We weren't building anything. Yeah. So how was that from a, from a documentation standpoint? Was that much different than when you're doing a hike shoot or anything like that? Or I guess we kind of treated it the same way we would treat a hike where we brought our camera out. We made sure to like, you know, take pictures of all the steps, but yeah. And I, I see it more of like photography as storytelling again. So mm-hmm. whatever that is on a hike or at our house or mm-hmm. in our office or wherever we, we might be, like taking photographs of something to me means like, okay, how can I best tell this story mm-hmm. that we're doing? You know, so um, sure, it was a little different of a setting, yeah. but as far as like mm-hmm. the, the documentation of it was pretty much the same so you didn't ask emily to hold that bag of gravel while you got the perfect shot you just you know you weren't like saying i just just got the camera i'm always pouring the same thing and i just like get the get the things that i need it was kind of nice because we had a lot of chances to get a good shot because there was like 40 bags of gravel (laughs) so you had 40 chances to get something nice (laughs) who needs a gym just move gravel around oh my gosh that was a lot of work yeah I mean, even even our like hiking uh, photography too. We typically don't set it up in a way that's like Emily, like look this way, act a certain way to be. And we typically shoot a lot of like, you know, Emily moving across, and I'm like, oh shoot, I gotta be on the next one, you know, next cliffside or something, and I can get Emily walking across. Um, so a lot of it is like very, um, you know, just like purpose, like storytelling. I don't know, like more intentional storytelling to me. And that's how I view photography in a lot of ways, not necessarily like necessarily, you know, staging something. I mean, mm-hmm. it is it is more of like if, if there's like a certain type of photo that I'm trying to go for, then we like talk about it beforehand. Mm-hmm. But it's never like like too much of the same like Emily's then in the middle like look pre- pretend like you're happy or like what I don't know like pretend like you're happy, happy. Pretend yeah. like you're happy. <laughs> so we, we typically talk about like the type of images we're going for and then we just like execute it on the spot so okay so Emily for you putting the content together what's your strategy when you're documenting these things when you're out and about since you're you're the written word part of this what's your how do you what's your workflow how does that happen I guess it's in two parts and it probably starts with the, the adventure we're going on. Um, I do get a lot of like repeated questions. And so I know people want to know what the parking lot looks like, what the trailhead looks like, um, what unique features are on a trail. So I do, I, all those, although those aren't the most like pretty photos, we still take pictures of that for sure. information And so while Birdie's brain is more like the storytelling concept, what kind of colors do I want to grab? What kind of feel do I want to bring? I'm a little bit more technical on what does the trail look like? Um, What's the direction sign look like? Where do we park our car? That kind of stuff. Sure. Um, And then when we come home, um, I 
generally have like a skeleton outline for different types of things. So a hiking outline. And that really helps me streamline the process of like kind of putting in the information because a lot of the same times I will talk about a trailhead, where to park, what to pack, um, features on the trail, you know, tips on taking great photos on that trail. So I usually take the information and then just fill it in like that. Um, what else? I think that's generally how I write. I'm pretty informational, which is great because Birdie's the more visual part. So we have a really good balance of those. Right. So I'm going to break my rule. We're going to talk about Idaho because there's this (laughs) post, there's this picture. What on earth is this boat box hot springs? Uh What is that? What is that? thing that your guys are sitting in. What is that? (laughs) (laughs) We love Idaho hot springs, by the way, I could talk about it forever, but it is just a unique little spot on the salmon river near Stanley and locals started it. It was actually um, wooden at the beginning of its life. And it was built kind of on the bank of the river, but because the river levels rose and fall like every year, it, continually got swept away and Mm. so the locals i don't know where this like cauldron thing came from but they established it in the ground and then they like like put a ton of wires on it to keep it there so i think for i don't know how long it's been there but that's like what it is today and there's like a pipe that goes from like Mm -hmm. the natural hot springs into the the tub. Oh, okay. So that's what's going on. Yeah. Okay. Cause yeah. I'm, Bertie, I'm looking at this picture of you and you're, you're chilling in the hot tub, if you will. <laughs> and, and so it's, yeah, it's like this cauldron, but there's like this inverted cauldron underneath. I mean, this is just wild. I'm going to put a no link idea. to the show notes so people can see this. It's really cool. Yeah. yeah. I have no idea where it came from or what its original use was, but it's very cool. It's a fun local favorite. Um, It's really popular for people that are rafting down the river after, you know, a long rafting day in the cold water. You go with your friends and you hang out in the tub. (laughs) There's you can probably comfortably fit two, but maybe four if you're if you really friendly. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's I've never seen anything like that. That's just absolutely a very cool thing. That's one of them. There's a lot of other really unique spots in Idaho like that, too. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. So we're going to wrap this up and I'm just going to let you guys, you know, have the final word. Where can people find you online and go for it. Give a shout out to yourself. <laughs> well, you can find us um, anywhere that it says the Mandy's. So the Mandy's.com where the Mandy's on Instagram, but we also have separate personal accounts. So Birdie Mandy, Emily Mandy, what else? Um, Anything social yeah. media. That's kind of our, our title. So. You can find cool. us there. Yeah, you can find that on like Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. And we love. So it's kind of, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. So yeah, and we we're like very open book. So like, if you have specific questions, you could DM us, or like, if you want to meet in like a coffee shop when I when love it's safe. people in coffee um, shops. Yeah, we love. We just love making our community bigger and kind of like, you know, because we have no secrets to hide. Like this is all like. Um, uh, we want everybody to succeed. So uh, if you are interested in this type of work or something and have questions about certain things. I, I just think it's awesome, you guys, because I think it's just, 
it's very inspirational to watch people who have a passion for stuff go mm. the non corporate route. And I, I was going to say non-traditional and I hope it becomes more traditional that people, totally. that people begin to follow their, their, their passions more than, than the, and nothing wrong with corporate, but yeah, no, I get it. You know, and I, and I think, you know, you guys both went to the U and yes, maybe your language studies isn't applicable now, but it, you, you, you had great experiences. You met each yeah. other there. So if nothing else, college is worth it. Right. I mean, there yeah, you go. Totally. And I think, you know, being able to follow your passions and all that is great. So I just want to thank you guys both for being on the show and we'll, uh, we'll put a links to all your stuff, not all your stuff, but we'll put links to your stuff on the show notes so people can follow you. And uh, thanks. I really am glad you guys were here. Thank yeah. you so much. Thank you for having us. Yeah, it was so fun to talk to you. <laughs> awesome. Okay. Join us next time for another episode of the Exploring Washington State podcast.